Before we jump into today's conversation, let's take a moment to acknowledge our amazing sponsor, the Academy of Therapy Wisdom. Oh my gosh, we love this platform. They're the place I go now for all my CEUs. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Please join us for our next live online workshop, Integrating Mind and Heart, April 3rd through 6th of 2024. This is an experiential, active workshop designed to engage you in brain states that promote relational learning. If you want to get closer, say the things that usually go unspoken and trust each other and yourself. To get through the hard moments, this is the workshop for you. Go to whydoesmypartner.com to learn more and register. Welcome to the Why Doesn't My Partner podcast. I'm Jules. I'm Vicki. And I'm Rebecca. We're your hosts. We're also couples therapists and messy humans bumbling through our own relationships every day. We met through our training and practice of relational life therapy. Between us, we have more than 40 years of experience holding hard relational questions with our clients. We're going to bring those questions here. And together, we're going to take a stab at answering those questions. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy. If something you hear in this podcast stirs something deep within you about your relationship, reach out to a couples therapist in your area. All right, and let's dive in with today's listener question. Why does my partner tell me what to do? Why does my partner tell me what to do? Gosh, there are so many reasons. And there are so many different things I'm thinking of. Jules, you look like you're about I to was, out of your seat. Uh, I, was, I was saying beca- because they're a jerk face. <laughs> no, we How know that's we not right why. I, I turned into a four-year-old. <laughs> I want to jump in and address quickly that my voice sounds different in this episode because I'm calling in by phone because in my humanness, I don't have the right cord for my computer and the volume wasn't working. So I sound different than I have in other ones and hopefully we will get that resolved soon. So there's that. Yay for humanness. We love celebrating (laughs) humanness. (laughs) Yeah, because it doesn't feel like that. So, (laughs) (laughs) so what comes up for you, Rebecca, when you hear this question? You know, there's there's a few different pieces. Um, You know, I know we chatted about this before we got started, and the three of us were talking about boundaries. And there's a few different kinds of boundary pieces that come up, Mm -hmm. and then there's some other parts for me in particular that I'm thinking about too. Um, but I want to save some of that for a little later, I think in our conversation. So let's first do some talking about the boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. So when my partner's doing or saying anything, one of the ways I keep myself safe is a psychological boundary is what I call it. And, um, Mm -hmm. Vicki, you actually have a different name for it, but we're talking about exactly the same thing. We're talking about the same thing. I like to call it the protective boundary. But yeah, they're the same thing. And so we wanted to make that clear that we just use different verbiage. Yeah, And I and- use both. <laughs> or whatever else comes to mind in the moment. The, the basic idea is that this is the boundary that, um, you know, I like to use. Have I talked about this before in our episodes? I like 
to kind of remind people of the old nursery rhyme. I'm rubber, you're glue. Anything you say mean to me bounces off me and sticks to you. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I use that when I'm talking about this boundary because it very much is, is like a, you know, this is the part of me that's learning to discern what's coming into me. Does it, is it mine or do I keep it out here? Like, does it bounce off of me and stick to wherever it came from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think of it as like a psychological space mm-hmm. between me and my person. And it could be me and my daughter or me and my husband or me and my friend or me and a client or whoever, me and the grocery store clerk. It doesn't matter. Right. So mm-hmm. that it's totally safe and fine. For them to be different than me, to have a different agenda, to have different wants, to have different needs, and that that is not inherently threatening to me. Threatening. Mm-hmm. That takes work to learn because for so mm-hmm. many of us, that's not how we grew up. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, I just want to honor that for everybody that's listening and is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this this takes work to, to learn. And I think we've talked about second consciousness a little bit in past episodes, which is this mm-hmm. idea of relationship mindfulness, where we can kind of be observing enough of ourselves to notice. I think mm-hmm. this takes some second consciousness to be aware of mm-hmm. that psychological boundary, that protective boundary. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And if we if we don't have a good one, we usually like swing all the way to one side or swing all the way to the other or bounce back and forth. So I could have one that goes way, way too porous where I let everything in as if it's personal to me, or I could be really rigid yeah. where it, it when I said, oh, another person can have a difference and that's not threatening to me. If you're more on the rigid side, you might hear them go, nothing anyone does is threatening to me. Everything's fine. Right. right. So that would be more on the rigid side where I don't take enough in to feel connected to people. So it could go either way where that mm-hmm. psychological or protective boundary is um, maybe not setting you up to connect with your person like you want to. Yeah. Yeah. So can I give, yeah, go ahead, Vicki. I was just going to say the idea that Rebecca, it's interesting how you said, like it blows our mind. The idea that I, that everything that happened around me didn't have to get absorbed by me really was life-changing. When I heard that from Terry, I was like, wait, what? Like I am one of those totally porous jewels that you were just talking about. Everything came in. And I like to tell my clients, up until I learned this stuff from Terry a couple of years ago, I had a sheet on boundaries in my office that I gave people where I looked like I had healthy boundaries. I don't use that sheet anymore because I struggled with that protective or psychological boundary. And so just shifting that lens was life-changing for me. Like, oh, I thought I had healthy boundaries and I really don't in that way. So it was good for me to hear that like, no, I don't have to absorb everything he's throwing at me right now or whatever's stressing him out right now. I don't have to be absorbing that and fixing everything for him because I can't handle the tension of it. In the interest of not making this like an uber long episode, I want to just kind of bring it in. But I also want to make mention of one of the reasons I think some of us have such porous boundaries is because in many ways when we were growing up, we had to carry the stuff that our caregivers should have been carrying and didn't. 
Yeah. So we'll either take it on and carry it like the backpack that we mm-hmm. load on, or yeah. we reject it and we push it out by going really rigid. Yeah. I'm a flip flopper. So if I'm in a bad boundary space psychologically, I could go way too porous and take everything in personally, or I could go way mm-hmm. too um, rigid and I could actually get really cold looking. So if I'm, if I'm on it, like, so here's an example my partner and I have been building a house and we just moved into it and it turned out great and everything's fabulous now. And we were working with a builder and there was a contractor involved who we had so many run-ins. We actually ended up calling him he who must not be named. Um, (laughs) Officially, that's his name. (laughs) Officially, that's his name. And we were not, we were not in a space Right. Of uh, controlling this situation because we didn't hire him because the builder hired him. So uh, mm. he's lying to us. He's doing stuff badly. When we call him on it, he denies it. It was just a run around over and over and over again. We're super frustrating. And if I'm having a good boundary day, here's what it looks like is my husband comes in and he's like, ah, you won't believe what he who must not be named has done. This is so frustrating. Ah, you know what we need to do? We need to do this thing right away. We got it. Right. And if I'm in a good psychological mm-hmm. boundary day, I can take in what's true and I can keep out what's not true or what's not about me. So one, do I share my husband's frustration with this person? Absolutely. Does it make yes. total sense mm-hmm. to me why he's this level upset? A hundred percent. Right. So I can take that in that that makes sense that, that he's feeling this level of anger. Yeah. We have to do something right now. Oh, I can keep that out. I don't know if I agree with that, that we have to do something right now. Is mm-hmm. it true that we probably do need to address this problem Yes, I agree with him. I do need to address this problem. So now see how you can make it nuanced where I'm taking in pieces that make a lot of sense to me, but I'm keeping out and letting it be part of his process, which is super important. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that boundaries do, I think, is, is they help us respect the other person's journey. It's like a filter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like this filter Mm -hmm. that's helping us to discern like, oh, that's something for me to take in. And that's something that stays out here because it's yours. Right. Exactly. And and because Mm -hmm. I feel very safe with that interaction, I can lean into him. I stay connected to him, but not in a managey way, just in like an babe, you're right. He is jerking us around. Uh, We should drink some water and take a walk. Let's take the dog out and then let's come back and we're going to write an email together. It does sound like we need to address Mm -hmm. it in some manner. And he starts breathing and, and takes that in because he's getting recognized, but I didn't have to move into management mode. Like, no, it's going to be fine. Calm and calm down. Right. Or I didn't Mm -hmm. move into cold mode of, well, you're making a big deal out of nothing. So on a good boundary day, I can greet him and help him feel seen in that space, even if he's coming at me that with what feels like, tell, tell me what to do energy. Right? Um, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking. So sometimes He's, he's telling me that. what to do and that's how you filter it. Right. Totally. So sometimes people do that because they're upset and they're trying to get themselves safer. Mm. And I think this kind of plays into this other piece is that there's another element in here about how we can see our partners. Yeah. Right. Like if I have that good psychological boundary, if I can, if I'm having a good psychological boundary day, 
right? I don't want to call it having a good psychological boundary, a good protective True. boundary. I like how you said that, Jules. Yeah, it's not a fixed entity. You're going to have good days and bad days. Some days I do not look like a, that great partner. Some days I think I'm having good days and then it blows up in my face. So I guess this is by how bad I am at this. <laughs> What I love though is actually, actually what I love is not when it always goes right. Cause it doesn't, but what I love is that there are times when it doesn't go right. And I go, Oh, I see what happened. Mm-hmm. Get it. You know, and mm-hmm. then it's about bringing in some compassion for myself and some compassion for my partner. And when I'm in that place where I feel like my partner is telling me what to do, picking on me or my, where I really need that psychological boundary, if I'm having a good moment with it, If I could bring that compassion to them, if I can bring that kind of what we call cherishing into the relationship and I can notice like (laughs) what's happening for them, what are their needs underneath this? Even though it's not coming out so good, what is it that they're really needing? Mm -hmm. How can I meet that part of them? I don't have to Mm -hmm. fix it, but how can I see it? Or even make space to make it more overt. Because sometimes when people are telling somebody what to do, they're in more of like an agenda mode. Mm -hmm. trying to control your behavior. Right. And that probably Mm -hmm. means something's scaring or hurting them. So if you can, if you can have a good psychological boundary, you can keep enough of that brain online that you can maybe even ask, Oh, if I did take that job, what would that be like for you? Or, Oh, if I did eat at that restaurant with my girlfriend, what are you, are there, Mm -hmm. are you concerned about something? Or, Oh, if I, if I did keep this friendship, what what are you thinking might happen, hon? Yeah. So we can move into a space of curiosity, curiosity. and sort of start mm-hmm. to figure out like, oh, is that is there something we can put on the table that's maybe being danced around a little bit? I like how you said those pieces too, there, Jules. Like, oh, if I did this, what would happen? It makes me hearing you say those things feel like, okay, wait, there's room for me to breathe right now and think a little bit more. It, it creates more of an expansion and openness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in your world, you would classify that under cherishing behaviors. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd yeah. say a lot of it. A lot of it, a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, sure. I love Maybe it. Maybe I'm not having yeah. the best psychological boundary day. Yes. No, no, totally. No, I'm, 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 I'm delighting in this right now because this is, this is my hard space, right? Cause I grew up in a super serious family. Like we have this, it doesn't matter. We have, we have jokes about how serious my family is. Like people tell jokes and people are like, Oh no, that's very serious. Like nobody gets a joke in my family. So I, my poor husband, he's very funny and it's totally lost on me. So, so here's, here's this piece because my family's so serious delight and cherishing and like moving into seeing people deeply or delighting in them or being curious about them is actually not a landscape for me. So it feels like the hardest part about RLT for me to learn. Terry talks about cherishing behaviors and I panicked inside going, what is that? So I just love you guys to name them for me, please. That is so helpful for me to know because when I heard you ask if it was in my world, I was like, "Uh, oh, wait, hold on. And that's where I was like, maybe it was my boundary that was not having the best day. Right. Right. Just right there in that moment. Right in that moment. Yeah. 
I doubted myself inst- when you asked the question yeah. instead of thinking just, I mean, this is what we're talking about. And here I was. This is like, no, it, yeah, it so happened perfect. right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I went, I'm, oh, wait, maybe there's something wrong with me. I'm asking a question that sounds emotionally <laughs> loaded. And guess what it was? Because actually, this is a vulnerable piece for me because I actually don't feel like I know a list of cherishing behaviors. But then we guess that that emotionally loaded moment means it's something about me or I did something wrong. Uh oh. Right. Wrong. And then we mm-hmm. can get into our defense really fast. But look at what happened instead, the way that we worked that through and we got curious and we had a conversation about it and we didn't get defensive and we learned something deeper and more intimate about each other. Totally. And by the way, if you're on the telling someone what to do side of this equation and your partner asks something like this, pause and just taking in that they're curious about you and like risk vulnerability instead of demand. I'm just going to check that that off. Yeah. (laughs) That someone being curious about you can be such a different experience too. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you want to know about me? Yeah. I matter. I saw your eyes go like crazy when I said that. Yeah. My voice matters. Are you sure I should speak up about like that curiosity piece is, um, is a different experience for, you know, I would say some people, well, I'll go ahead and out myself. Um, but the, yeah, the, it's what you both just said, Rebecca too, about the being seen and being heard Yeah. and having the space to breathe into that and look into, you know, why, why is this important to me? Why am I hurt? Why am I scared? And then, and so many people um, don't know how to answer that either. Because it's so vulnerable. I'm not, I'm not yeah. yeah. The walls go up. I'm not scared. It's such and such. And go ahead and take that job. I don't care. Like they can't, it's hard to um, acknowledge that vulnerability. Yes. I would be hurt by that for these reasons. So I think we're actually hitting on another part of this question. Why does my partner tell me what to do? Because it's vulnerable to make a direct request. Yep. Oh, yes. And that's the answer. So if you're in the position of telling your partner what to do, try making requests instead. And it's so much more vulnerable because it's possible Mm -hmm. they will say no. No. If it's truly a request. And they're allowed to say no. Yes. And yeah, they're allowed like, to say no. They're allowed to say no. My poor husband has had been married. We've been married forever. I don't remember how long. 14 years now, I think. Um, I can't I can't ever remember. He is way better at remembering anniversaries. I told you, I don't do cherishing behaviors. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Um, um, so he's, he's way he always has been, he was, he brought me flowers on 10, 10 month anniversary date. I went, it is. Um, so my sweet husband, um, had to deal with this with me forever. And I feel like I'm still digging myself out of this hole. I'm really good at making it sound like I'm asking you a question, but that does not mean I was asking you a question. (laughs) Say. I remember we were redoing a house one time and he was suggesting this cool, like contemporary, like, um, baseboard thing. And I went onto the computer and was like, is this really what you want? Um, maybe, I mean, I I guess we could do that. I mean, is this really okay to do it this way? That was not a request. 
Are you sure? Are you sure we should, maybe we should do it the traditional way. What do you think? That was not a request. He knew he was going to be like, oh, I was going to be upset for weeks. <laughs> Poor sweetie. And so now that I'm figured it out, like, oh, Jules, you are asking questions, but they are not questions. And he knows it. That I am now in a space where I'm, I'm really clear about that. I try really hard not to do it. I try really hard to move into the vulnerability and just ask directly for what I want. And I still mess it up all the time. And sometimes he's like leaning into the memory of what it's been like in the past mm-hmm. in our marriage too. So I'm still digging myself out of that one. I'm digging myself out of stuff like that with you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're, you're so not alone. And I just want to highlight for our listeners what a direct request is. We've talked about it in past episodes, but I think this is one of those things that like we could keep talking about and people are still like, oh, (laughs) there's like more (laughs) layers to it, you know? So a direct request is something that you put out there like with clarity, this is what I want. This is what would help me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if your partner can't meet you there. That's the key. It is okay if your partner can't meet you there. And I have a quick, I actually do have a quick um, example of that. I was making, making dinner, I used that term loosely a few weeks ago because it was leftovers. So I was heating up all the leftovers and my husband was standing near me in the kitchen playing on his phone. And he, he, I looked over and I said, could you put the salad together? And putting the salad together, by the way, is taking a handful of lettuce out of a bag and then a handful of cherry tomatoes and a handful of carrots. It's not like we like make a salad. We don't cut anything either. So I said, can you, while I'm doing the leftovers, can you make the salad? And he kind of looked at me and he said something funny like, can I pretend I didn't hear you so I don't have to do it? And I smiled and said, sweetheart, that was a request. You're allowed to say no. And he looked at me and he said, no. And I said, okay. And I made the salad. And we moved on with our night and it was no big deal at all. But that was after we'd had this huge conversation of direct request versus demand. And so we're both getting used to the, you're allowed to say no, you're allowed to say no. And I will deal with that. No, if it's a no. You know what I love about this is if you've had a conversation, like a more meta conversation, like we talk about a lot with your partner Mm -hmm. and you've set this up. I love Vicky. What you guys are doing is you're kind of naming the meta conversation again. Mm-hmm. So yeah. in that moment, you're saying it's a request, honey. It's okay to say no. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a reminder of this new thing reminder. we're working on. So if you are yeah. making a shift in your relationship, it's helpful to make it over these reminders of like, oh, we're changing this now. Yes. Um, so much I think of marriage, I'll say, is like, or I shouldn't have to say it so many times. Why haven't you just learned this by now? And I'm on the opposite side of like, say it over and over again. Do the constant reminders. I don't mind if every single time I make a request, I have to tell them, remember, you're allowed to say no. It makes things so much easier on the other side. God, I hope that I have to keep learning throughout like all the years that I'm together with my spouse. You know, like if I, if we stay the way we were when we met each other, (laughs) (laughs) holy cow there was so much growth ahead of us like there was so much healing for both of us to do yeah those little baby us's Mm. like there's so much potential for them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know i'm the baby us's and i still think like you know by the time yeah at some point 
like who we are today is going to be a, a baby version, a toddler version of right. us. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So we know you're on a lifelong journey with us. Thank you for being part of it. And yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye bye. That wraps up this week's episode. Join us again next week for another Why Does My Partner? We hope that you continue to listen wherever you get your audio and that you'll follow the show. To go deeper, join us at our boot camp. You'll find the next date at whydoesmypartner.com. We want to tell you more about our sponsor, Therapy Wisdom. Jules is one of their amazing educators, and you can also find teachers like Janina Fisher, Bessel van der Kolk, Deidre Fay, and Akila Riley Richardson, plus a bunch of people you might not have heard of, but will definitely want to start following once you take their courses. And because you listen to us, the Therapy Wisdom team is offering a secret code to give you free access to one of my one-hour wise conversations. Use the code WDMP at checkout. If you're a licensed therapist, coach, healer, or someone who's invested in doing the deep work of personal healing and want to learn about topics like neurobiology, supporting trauma healing, incorporating intersectionality and somatic work, then this is the place for you. Discover some of the most heart-led and quality courses available in a community of people who are invested in spiritual growth, equity, inclusion, and developing expert-level clinical skill. Visit therapywisdom.com or click the link in the show notes and use the WDMP discount code. Thanks, Therapy Wisdom. We love you.